And uh, we're going to look at one verse here in our text uh, uh, from last week in Psalm chapter 90. And uh, we, read, we read verses 9 through 12 uh, last week. We're going to just specifically look at 12 this evening. We're going to look, review just real quick the other two points that we covered last week just by way of just a few minutes to kind of, you know, refresh our mind. And then we do want to, talk, we want to bring the topic again about what we were discussing last week and hope and pray that it, uh, it touches your heart this evening. Verse 12 of Psalm 90 tells us this. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so I opened up with this question just like last week and I do tonight. The question is that of what if? It's what if, and, uh, and we've asked this question for the past in our life. Most of us do that somewhere along the line, sometime in our days. What if this person would have said yes, that person would have said no? What if I would have taken a, a right turn instead of a left turn? What if the light was red? What if the light was green? We ask all these questions, and there's countless scenarios in our life tonight where anything could have happened and everything could have been different, but then we flip the coin and say, or would it have been different? So one of the two things we spoke about last week in our opening discussion, or really our, our, our preview, our introduction last week, was the two types of the will of God. There is a determined will of God that is real, that, that is going to happen no matter what. And, and a great instance is this, if you look at it. you got point A right here, and then you have point B right here. I had a good friend of mine give me this illustration in, this, in a conversation. I want you to imagine that there is a ship that's departing from Southampton and a transatlantic chip, uh, trip all the way over to New York City. All right, that's the destination. But between point A and point B, we're going to call this the determined will of God. God. They are on the way to New York City. They are departing from Southampton, England. Yeah, so that's what's going to happen. But in between point A and B, there was emergencies on the ship, and they had to take a detour, and they had to run up to, I don't know, let's say they had to go to Glasgow, or they had to go somewhere uh, somewhere else. They had to go somewhere or anyway. They had to go left and right and above and here. Somebody had a heart attack, and somebody had this. The destination's still going to be the same. It's still going to be New York City. But in between point A and point B, there were detours that were made because of events in people's life. If someone decides to jump off the ship, they're going to have to stop, turn around, call the Coast Guard, get them out there and try to rescue the person and put them on there. But the destination, the determined will is still going to be New York City from Southampton. But what happens between there, we referred to last week, is the desired will of God. And I mean to say, I mean that to, to call it the desire will of God. It's in our hands. It's our free will. It's our choices we make. But God desires to be involved in them. Our Lord desires to be involved in our daily lives. We have this idea, and I think it's one of the, it, it, it's, it's, well, there's many problems that religion and high church and high religion has caused people. Uh, and, and we're not going to burn the time right now to go, go over those things. But one of the greatest elements and one of the greatest false, false teachings that we find is that God's only interested in this part and this part. It's just going to be his will or the highway. It's point A and point B and nothing else matters. And that's just a falsehood. You'll never find it in the scriptures. Not one, you'll not find one verse that is a man-created ideology and it is false beyond reality. I'm saying that to make the point. God is involved in the determined will of God. There is a determined will of God in your life, and it's going to happen whether you like it or not. But how you get there is that desired will of God, and he wants to be involved in your life. 
He wants to be involved in your mornings. He wants to be involved when you, you sit and you pray with your spouse. He wants to be involved uh, with every hug, every kiss, every involvement, every decision that we make in our life. Every, and I hope and pray that it's made together willfully. And, 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 and you're looking at these points and you're thinking about how God will bless these minutes and moments of our day. Every second that there is, that's what the desired will of God is. And within that desired will of God, we address this question of what if. Now, we can't do anything about what if of yesterday. We can't do anything with what if of three minutes ago. What if is over with in the past. And the focus must be to what if of now. This is why the psalmist writes, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, so teach, our, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. If we will learn that every moment of this life is important, that every moment of this life is vital and even honoring to the gift of life given by God, we can apply wisdom to each day, hour, minute, and moment that God has allowed us to have. So we looked at two points last week. We looked at the point that we must cherish these moments. And the word cherish means to adore, to treasure, to protect and care for someone. Again, we look at this saying, so teach us. Teach us to cherish the moments. Don't take them for granted. I mean, when we learn to apply this in our life, guys, we begin to understand and really grab a hold of what James was speaking about when he said that our life is but a vapor, appears for a little time, and then vanisheth away. We've been married 25 years. And guys, you know, I'm not going to apologize for using my wife and me and our marriage uh, as an example so many times. It's just, you know, you could be getting football illustrations, okay? So you're going to have to pick one, okay? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, but... One of the things when, when we married and when we set out in, in this venture, which has just been an absolute dream, was I always wanted to take advantage of what time we had. And it wasn't just her doing her thing somewhere else in the house and me doing my thing in somewhere else in the house and we just meet in the middle somewhere. I never wanted it to be that. It had to be proactive. We had to cherish the minutes and cherish the moments. We had to book in every single hour in our day to make sure there was time. You know, when I had started my practice and I was beating the streets and trying to, to get the business up and running and doing this and that, and, and uh, Denise had come home uh, once David was born, and, and so she was there at the house, and I'm, on the, I'm out on the road, and I'm going through offices and trying to build this thing up. Do you know when the, the thing that drove me to get everything, get as much done as I could throughout that day? Exactly. Get home to her. That's all my desire. I just want to get home to where her, where David was, where my wife was, just to spend. Why? Because I'm cherishing those moments because they're only going to be there now. They're not going to be here later on. So if we're going to look at the what ifs of now, the what ifs of today, because this is where we live, we have to cherish every laugh, every kiss, every hug, and never allow them to be overlooked. And by doing so, point number two we looked at last week was to capitalize. We need to capitalize on the minutes of the day. You know, so teach us to number our days. I believe we should look at life as a precious gift. Every life from conception, conception to death, every part of life, every breath, everything, every heartbeat, everything that we have is a gift from God. And we should capitalize on the moments that we get at. Instead of taking for granted, uh, we take the opportunity to capitalize on what God has given us. And we think about our life. We think about our days. Because we have right now with our wife or our husband. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have right now with our children, no matter their age. I mentioned that last week. 
We have right now with our parents, right now with our neighbors, our coworkers, our gym mates, our classmates, whomever it may be, right now. So teach us to number our days because we only have this moment to live in. And stop depending on tomorrow, guys. Stop looking past the person in front of you and live with them right now. Now, I'm saying that as a 52-year-old man who's been married for 25 years with four adult children. When you're younger, it's more difficult to do that. When you're a young person, say in your 20s, newly married, and you know, maybe trying to build your career, or build, it's, it, it is, it's difficult to stop and say, I'm going to cherish the moments, I'm going to capitalize on the time that's given. It's difficult to do that, but it's not impossible. You know, difficulty and discipline come together. And what we have to understand what, in our life about discipline, discipline comes down to two options. Doing the thing that we don't want to do, but it's going to get us the goal and the achievement that we want, versus doing the thing that we want to do, but that's going to keep us from reaching the goal and the achievement that we want. That's, it comes down to, it's that simple tonight. That's what it requires to cherish and to capitalize on the moments that you're given every single day with those that are around you to answer the question of what if of right now. I mentioned this last week, and I know that it can be rather dark, but what if this was your last kiss, your last hug, your last goodbye, your last walk to the door, your last greet at the door, your last high five? What if it was the last one? We need to ask ourselves that. That's when we'll begin to capitalize on the moments that we are given. So which brings me to our third point tonight. And uh, since it is fellowship night and I'm hungry, I'm going to preach real fast tonight. I'm just kidding. I'll preach a little fast. Communication. So we go back to our verse, Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days. And if you underscore, highlight, or whatever in your Bible, underscore this next part, and you can write communication down to it, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. A dear friend of mine once said, I preached this sermon on communication. I used his quote one time. He said that words build the world, and they do. Words build the world. Our world operates on communication. It operates on language. Our communication is a reflection of who and what we are. And it also reveals where our heart is and to whom holds our heart and our affection and our attention. If we are continuing in our life to complain and, and fill in our mouths and others' ears with negativity, it's quite apparent where we're focusing. And it's through our communications that we lead others in the same direction. Yet on the other side, guys, when we focus on joy, which is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit of God, it's related to our faith. And, and others will pick up such an attribute and they will begin to remember what you look at in your life and where your words come from. Because again, just like I've said about the last kiss, the last hug, the last walk to the door, the last greet, all these last things, what are your last words going to be? I have a book in my, in my library, uh, the, the Last Words of Famous People, okay? And some of it's quite co comedic if you want to know the truth. It is. You're like, man, that's their last words? Good night, man. You know? But I mean, it, it is. But when you begin to read, I think of Stonewall Jackson, the moment that he died, his very last words were this. He said, let us pass over the river and rest by the shade tree. And his heart and his mind, a saved, born-again individual, he is walking across that river Jordan, if you will, and he's going to glory, and he knew it. And I think about that, and you, and you, you know, of course, in your mind, you think, man, I want to be that guy. I want to say something so profound in my last moments. But, you know, who knows when it's going to be, right? But our communication is important. You know the word language occurs 27 times in the Bible? The first time that it shows up is in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. When mankind was once again preparing to serve themselves rather than God, 
what did they do? What did, what did God do? They were trying to build this tower, this, this tower of Babel, this, this pagan tower to reach into the heaven and this and that. Uh, what, did he, what, what did God do? He didn't come down there and destroy them with a flood again. He didn't rain down fire from heaven. He just simply confounded their language. And when he confounded their language so they could not communicate with one, one another, as a matter of fact, um, of the five times the word confound is found in the Bible, it also first appears in Genesis chapter 11, and that's in verse 7 saying, go down, let us uh, uh, go to, let us go down. And they're confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. They, they could not construct the tower because they could not communicate. Now, pause for that for just a second. They could not build something because they could not communicate. Let me come back to that. They couldn't continue to lay a foundation and something be successful because they, they could not communicate. What does that mean in our lives? If we don't communicate with our loved ones, our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, our coworkers, our neighbors, if we don't communicate with them, guess what we're not doing? We're not building anything, do you understand? Because of a lack of communication. James in chapter 1, verse 19, we're instructed, says, let every man uh, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Um, swift to hear, uh, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, we've always said the Lord's given us two ears and one mouth because we ought to listen twice as much as we speak. And I understand that, but saying and doing are two different things. But James is basically telling us that we should listen more than we should talk. Be swift to hear. I believe in all my heart today, guys, that in part of communication is listening. It's listening. We, we should listen to learn, learn to love, and then love to lean. That should be a basic form of our communication in our life. Give people the time to speak and listen to them. In James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, I want you to look at this real quick. This is important because I want you to see how important communication is. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature, his creatures. Think about it. that's right. Salvation begat he us. Salvation, guys, comes by how? Words. The word of truth. The word of truth. Did you know that God could have used anything he wanted to? Remember when the Lord was coming through the, uh, through the gates in Jerusalem on the triumphant entry, and, and uh, uh, the Pharisees said, man, tell your people to be quiet, because they were saying, Hosanna in the highest, thou son of David. And uh, he said, if I tell them to be quiet, he goes, rocks are going to cry out. Why is that? Because there was a prophecy that he was going to be pronounced, Hosanna in the highest, thou son of David. And it was going to happen whether people did it, rocks did it, plants did it, or even the ants stood up and said something. Somebody was going to pronounce that because it had to be a fulfilled prophecy. God could have used anything, man, to convey his salvation to us. He could have used anything to teach us the way unto salvation. He could have used anything to bring us to the knowledge of, of, of the saving grace of his, the greatest gift mankind has ever seen. But what did he choose? He chose words, man. Communication. It shows the importance of communication. It shows that words build the world. Our speech, our communication is an indicator of our spiritual development and growth. Think about it when we go to the doctor. What does the doctor do when we go get a, a checkup? One of the first things the doctor does, open your mouth, stick out your tongue. All right? Because the mouth, the tongue, uh, it reveals much of what is going on in the body. 
The mouth is the first line of defense of our immune system, and, and it reveals what's going on in the rest of our body. The body, the, the, the doctor's looking for anomalies, looking for issues, indicator of what's going on in the rest of our body. And our communication works the same way. When we open our mouth to speak, guys, when we open our mouth to say things, even at what place in the conversation we are at, it reveals what's going on in our life. Communication is the key to society. And in addressing this question of what if, we have to understand when we cherish each and every moment, leading us to capitalize on the time given for our communication, we can understand the gravity of our speech, the importance of what words we say and choose and what topics we're speaking about, how much power it holds, especially in addressing the question of what if. Matter of fact, Solomon said this in Proverbs 18. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. You know how powerful you are tonight? Death and life is in the power of your speech this evening. Jesus Christ said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Again, when we open our mouth, it reveals what's going on on the inside. I've used this before, but uh, I'll say it again. A harsh tongue reveals an angry heart. A negative tongue reveals a fearful heart. An overactive tongue reveals an unsettled heart. A prideful tongue reveals an insecure heart. A lying tongue reveals a deceitful heart. A filthy tongue reveals an impure heart. A critical tongue reveals a bitter heart. But on the contrary, an encouraging tongue reveals a happy heart. A gentle tongue reveals a loving heart. A truthful tongue reveals an honest heart. And James said this. James made it very clear. He says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which, which though they be so great, he said, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth. I'm not going to beat this point. I'm going to move on here in just a moment. But if you ever thought about, you know, a, a bit is only about five to six inches long. And it goes there. There's different types of bit. We used to use a snaffle bit. And it's a two-part bit that has a little roller on the end. And it gives the horse something to do when you're riding. It sits there and it rolls its tongue and it rolls and it just, he's having a good time. You're having a good time. But that's what a bit, bit's a very small thing. Horses are not very small. Matter of fact, we had a Clydesdale when we, one time. That Clydesdale was 2,500 pounds. He was a big boy. And guess what? He was underweight. We took a rescue horse on, uh, a, a um, what was anything called? Percheron, full-size Percheron draft horse. Uh, we called him Lazarus because he was always pushed away from the hay pile. When we got him and uh, we fed him through the wintertime and fed him, I mean, just fed him and fed him and fed him. He was still 1,800 pounds, and he was half the weight he was supposed to be. In about three years' time, when he got the weight on him, he looked like an elephant walking in through the pasture. It was just crazy, man. He was so huge. I remember looking at him thinking, if he could, if he did, he can do whatever he wants to do. You know, and Clydesdales are big horses, man. They're big horses. And I thought one time, uh, Thomas, our Clydesdale, had broken his, his, his halter. So I went, uh, or not, yeah, not Thomas, but Lazarus broke his halter. I figured Thomas has got an extra one. Let me go get one of his. I went down the tack room, got the thing, and I went to stick it on Lazarus' head. It made it to like right here, like halfway up his nose. And I went, good night, man. I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me, and I'm like, well, no halter for you, big boy, you know. He had this big lip that drooped down like that. Um, but he, he was a loving horse. But what I'm saying all that to say this, guys, I could grab him by his little, little fat part on his chin and just not squeeze it, but just hold it. And I'd say, come on. 
and he would go anywhere we wanted him to go. That big old horse, man. So if we can do that with a massive animal, with something that is yet so small, why can't we do the same thing with our tongues, with our speech? We need to ask ourselves in the midst of our communication, what is the purpose of my communication? What am I attempting to achieve? What is the end goal at hand? I'm going to be just a little bit open tonight. Nisi and I spend the majority of our life together, all right? We just do. And uh, Switch leaves a lot of times to talk about things, all right? And I got to be honest, probably most of the things that I'm talking about makes no sense. It's not interesting. I'm just talking. I'm just talking about, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. She's not going to say that. She'll snort her head, yeah, probably. But she's, but she's just going to sit over there and listen, yeah, you know? We're just occupying time together. I was talking about something tonight, and I figured out about 10 minutes into it, she don't care about this, and so I moved on to a different subject. But I'll tell stories, and she'll tell stories, and she'll listen. It's communication, and, but I have to ask myself at times, especially in the serious moments, what is my speech to her going to benefit her tomorrow? What is it going to do for us? So that's when I say things like, oh, you're so wonderful. I do bring up the when we met and our date and all that. Yes, one date. So, but it takes discipline, guys. The Bible tells us this. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, right? It are the issues of life. In our life today, our words need to be disciplined. They need to be ordered. We need to guard our heart in order to make sure what we say is productive in our life because we have to ask our question, the question, What if it's the last time I have this communication? What if what I'm saying tonight to you is the last words you ever hear from me? What type of legacy is that going to leave in your life? What type of shadow am I going to cast on you tonight to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and peace to your heart? So lastly this evening, I want to address this last point. We're finished. It'll be a quick one. When we begin to to look at this question of what if, and we attempt to, to the best of our ability, provide an honest answer, not only we to cherish the moments, capitalize on the moments as well. We need to focus on our communication, but we need to consider our conversation. I'm using the word conversation in its biblical definition. You'll find that in Philippians in chapter one, which says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What, and there's several of the verses that support this biblical definition of the word conversation, but it's how we live our life. It's what we do. Conversation, biblically speaking, means conduct, how we conduct our lives, all the things we do. And we need to understand how we live our lives is vitally important in making a difference in those whose lives are around us. So what if our conversation, what if our conduct, what if the way we live our life today, what if the last actions you had before, and you fill in the blank, is the last one that you'll ever have with them? How are you going to be remembered? You say, preacher, man, that's just got us down. We're supposed to be happy and have joy in our life. You still should have joy in your life. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm just trying to bring a hard topic to your mind tonight because there is going to come a day that the way we conduct ourselves is going to be the last thing someone remembers about us. Our communication with our loved ones, our family members, our spouse, who, whatever it may be, there's going to be a final one one day. There's going to be a last hug. There's going to be a last kiss. There's going to be a last goodbye, a last walk to the door. 
That is part of life. So we must address the question, what if it was today? What if it was this morning? How well are we going to be remembered? Is our life, our conduct, our conversation going to be as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? How will we be remembered when our days on this world are over with? I can encourage you, encourage you to do anything tonight in this moment of prayer to take on board that question. And when we depart here tonight, and by God's grace, when you walk out tonight, you're going to walk out past that sign that says, make a difference. When you want, and I want you to take that on board, you're going to pass that other banner that says, you're entering the mission field. When you walk through the doors, those glass doors right there tonight, you're going into the mission field. Your mission field. And your mission field is different than mine. Ours will overlap, and that's how we cover the areas of life, to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring peace to our families, our marriages, our, our, our children, our parents, whatever it may be. But all of those things together tonight, we can address this question of what if. If we'll cherish the moments, capitalize on the minutes, focus on our communication, and understand our conversation to become as the gospel of Christ. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for who and what you are, for all that you've done. And we pray now that you please would take this opportunity, this time to tender and touch our hearts. And let us take on board this evening the precious word of God. And let us address the moments and the minutes of our lives and day and how that we can better glorify you in all of the life that you have given us. And Lord, let us treat it exactly as it is. It is a gift. Every heartbeat, every breath, every moment, every firing of the synapses tonight is a gift from above. And let us look at it like that and let us cherish them tonight. Let us capitalize on them if tomorrow comes. Let us take our communication seriously and that our conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. We ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.